Hello, Lion Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. All right, so this one is going to be about breakfast, and this is not the only breakfast episode I'm going to be doing. Breakfast is one of my favorite meals of life, and I really want to get into the different types of cuisines and breakfast and, you know, what types of breakfast there are out there, you know, if there's fine dining breakfast, casual breakfast, uh, pretty much all things breakfast. And so when I thought about doing a breakfast episode, For the first time, I just wanted to give you what I like about breakfast, why I admire breakfast cooks, and some types of breakfast that I like and some that I really don't like. And I just want to give my opinion on all that, and I also just want to share why I think breakfast and brunch cooks are so, I guess, I don't know. I just have so much respect if you can get up that early in the morning to go do, you know, go cook eggs and pancakes and all that. So I'm going to get into all of that. Um, But first, before I get into that, I... Had a day out on the on the New York City. Uh, I just went out to New York City today and ate a lot uh, with Ross. He was on a past episode, uh, mentor of mine. And I kind of want to recap the day. It was a great day. We got to go to a couple cool places. And I just wanted to shout those places out. And it all capped with uh, dinner at La Berna Den, which was really good. And I really just want to give my opinions and thoughts on La Berna Den. Uh, nothing but really great things to say. And I just wanted to talk about the dishes I had real quick and just kind of share with what with you what I had because I thought it was an important experience for me. I've been wanting to go to La Bernadette for quite some time now. And, you know, just because of money and funds, I haven't been able to, but I finally got, I was finally able to go and do the chef's tasting menu and it was totally worth it. And I just recommend going for anyone in the New York City area. Uh, after that, um, you know, just, you know, general line cook thought sharing and, you know, like I said, all things breakfast. But before we start June 8th, which is a almost a month away. Um, it will be it will be one year since Anthony Bourdain passed away, and I've been trying to do this episode where it's a collaborative with all my listeners in the Line Cook Nation, where you listen to the or you download the Anchor app, you look up Line Cook Thoughts, you go send me a voice message about why Anthony Bourdain meant so much to you, and I put it in the show. I've gotten a good amount, but I like to get a lot more. I really think we as a Line Cook Nation could show how strong we are in terms of and valuing the people in our industry by doing this episode and putting it out to the rest of the community of chefs out there who admired Tony Bourdain like we did. So if you could just do that for me, download the Anchor app, look up Line Cook Thoughts, and send a voice message to me, that would be so great and would mean so much to me if you all could do that. Because, I don't know, Anthony Bourdain for me is one of my idols. He's someone who made me or inspired me to do this podcast and this Instagram and everything else I'm doing. And I just think it would be really cool to have that dialogue and that discussion and to kind of just share why we all as a community loved him so much and the work he put up. Uh, But yeah, you know, getting into it, like I said, uh, starting out with breakfast, you know, for me, breakfast was always something that was quick when I was a kid. I mean, my favorite breakfast cereal was Fruity Pebbles, and I just love the sugary rush of it. And I think that's maybe why, as I'll get into later, I don't enjoy uh, sugar that much. Um, but I'm definitely going to talk about that. I then want to get into my favorite breakfast items and whether I like savory or sweet breakfast more. I also want to get into like what I like to drink for breakfast. Uh, I kind of try to make a ritual for Sundays to have one certain type of juice. Uh, sometimes I'm able to do it, sometimes I don't. Uh, but I always try at least one every Sunday to get this one certain juice that I think is the best juice for breakfast. I also want to talk a little bit about like what coffee I like to drink. And I also want to try to not sound snobbish when I'm talking about the things I don't like because I know a lot of people like these breakfast items. I just am not a fan. So I know I might get some hate for it, but I'm going to be talking about that as well. I'm also going to give give you my thoughts for uh, breakfast for dinner. 
uh, and whether or not I like breakfast for dinner, I have some very strong viewpoints on it. And I'm also excited to share that as well. Finally, I want to get into talking about, like I said, breakfast cooks, uh, brunch cooks, just the people who wake up every single morning early so that when you go out to brunch or you go out to breakfast in the middle of the week and you want your steamed eggs with smoked salmon, there's someone in the kitchen doing that for you. And I think those cooks are some of the most undervalued in the workforce because of the hours they have and just the rush and the ability and the skill that you need to have to execute these things to the level that they do if they get a really good brunch spot. Um, this will not be an episode where I talk about really cool breakfast places like squirrel that came up in um a lot of my uh when you reached out to me and i want to dedicate another episode to that this is just mainly me giving my thoughts on breakfast and me just showing admiration to breakfast cooks and talking about some breakfast items and getting the conversation going Uh, but i definitely would love to talk to a worker at a place like squirrel where it all it's all about breakfast and it's just there's so much going into it because i've never worked really at a place like that and I think it would be so cool to have someone on the podcast so if you have anyone in mind please let me know uh but that's basically what this episode is going to be about uh really excited um in terms of a podcast because we're at 6,000 uh plays and downloads and it's just been amazing at how much y'all have been listening to the episodes and tuning in every week and just you know just going along this ride with me and it's just been really entertaining it's been really fun it's been really fulfilling to have to be the voice for the cooks out there who need something to get through service throughout the week. So thank you so much for listening. If you're new to the podcast, uh, you know, we're a podcast to interview cooks and I also give my ideas every week on certain topics. And yeah, I know that this podcast in terms of my opinion will be divisive. Some of you might agree. Most of you won't, but you know, breakfast for me, I'm very passionate about it and I'm willing, willing to defend my viewpoint. So without, you know, anything else to say, here we go. All right, so before we get into this, um, if you hear any horns honking in the background, I do live in the middle of New York City, and New York, thank you so much for, you know, joining in this audio experience, but that's the reason why. Getting into the day I had today, so just recording this, fresh off of leaving LaBerna Den for dinner, and I just wanted to sit down and record my experience for the day, because it was something really cool, really fun, and I just had a blast today. So started out with uh, meeting up with my chef, Ross, for those of you who don't know Ross, uh, he's a mentor of mine, worked in Buffalo with him, and if you want to know more about him, there's a, like a two-and-a-half-hour episode that we did together. Uh, just scroll down a little bit more and you'll find it. Uh, but basically, Ross is someone I've looked up to for a long time because of his commitment to excellence and his drive to bring fine dining to the Buffalo food scene. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he basically stylish in kitchens like El Bouilly and Alinea, and he has tremendous talent, and he's very one of the most creative people I know when it comes to food. His thoughts, his motives for cooking, his treatment of cooks. I mean, he's just the quintessential chef in my eyes, and he's made some of the best food I've ever had. And I really look up to him as a person and value him because of his ability to give so much of himself to not only the diners that he feeds, but the staff that he cooks for or leads. And it's just really exciting for me whenever I get a chance to hang out with him because I learned so much and I have so much fun. And today was one of those days, and I think it's important when you're in this industry to have those days where you just chill with friends or a significant other and just have that time together. So it was really cool to meet up with Ross. Uh, we went to start, we went out to breakfast at this French bistro called Bouvette. Uh, I guess, I don't think they're a chain per se. I'm not sure. They have locations in other cities, 
And I was just really, it was really cool for me. Um, it was like a French bistro type theme. And we go in and we sat on the patio and there's little red chairs and a little red table. And there's a little menu with maybe 14 menu items max, which isn't a lot uh, for a breakfast place. And I got this dish. It was uh, smoked or it was steamed eggs with smoked salmon, creme fraiche and toast with olive oil and salt. And I'm just going to start out by saying that their olive oil and salt toast was amazing. Uh, it went beautifully with the creamy eggs and the smoky uh, salmon and the creamy creme fraiche. And everything just blended beautifully, and I love that dish. But the main thing I was really excited about was the drink. Uh, there's a lot of breakfast drinks out there that I really enjoy, and this was really nice. It was called Lemon Ice, and it was lemon uh, bitters, uh, sparkling water. And I don't know what else I put in it, uh, but it tasted super good and refreshing, and that's kind of what I look for in a breakfast drink is that nice citrus, like sharp, acidic taste. And, yeah, I mean, that's what I really enjoy about breakfast. I love eggs. I love smoked fish. And when it all comes together, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we did that, and it was a blast. I had a lot of fun. It tasted great. And I was in need of a new knife. Uh, so we went over to Corin. Uh, Corin is a knife shop in New York City. It's a Japanese knife makers, and they sell other Japanese-made knives. And I literally spent an hour in there with him just talking to the sales associate about knives. And if you've never been to Corin, I highly suggest you go because, for me, it was like going – to the wand shop in the Harry Potter in the first movie, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It was so cool. Like the boxes are lined up and they go and they let you feel the knives and pick them up and see which one suits you the best. And it was really nice. And um, it was super cool to go to those to Corin because a both the knives were on sale and I was able to get them really cheap, uh, like really in my price range. Um, and I was able to just go and get taught on what knives that work best for me. And in terms of knife making, I really don't go to a lot of these places too much. I'd rather support um, like an independent knife maker. But Corin, I felt like I had to go, and they ended up setting me up with like a really good deal since it was the first time by. So I was very um, grateful to be able to go there. And I highly suggest anyone who is into knife making, go check them out. Um, even if you're not going to buy a knife from them, just go check them out and get suited for like what knife feels best for you. I mean, they went down to like – different like the bevels on the knives like the 70 30 knives where you have to sharpen more on one side than the other in the single bladed knives and how when you have a single blade it gives you a more perfect slice and you know a lot of cooks know about this but a lot of cooks don't and i think if you want to get more uh learned in knives you should definitely go to corin because it's a great place uh for any chef to go to and just learn a little bit more about knife making and what makes a good knife and what knife fits best for you. And they kind of break down misconceptions you have of knives. And they're really like, they're not afraid to tell you like that knife is not going to work for what you want. Yeah. It might feel nice and yes, it might look good, but if you're looking for a knife that is doing what you're asking, that's not the one. And I was really impressed with that. They didn't just want to sell me any knife. They really wanted me to enjoy the purchase I had. So that I would be a returning customer. And it was just great customer service all around. Like, the experience was amazing, and the lady I spoke with was just so passionate about knives, and she was so passionate about making sure I had the correct knife. And I just enjoyed it so much, and I thought it was such a great experience, and I hope to be back soon and just, you know, learn a little bit more, go to maybe go to one of the classes they hold. But, yeah, if you have the chance to go check out Corn, I would highly suggest it. From there, we went over to the Chelsea Market, which I always love because there's just so much in there. Uh, there's this, like – seafood section the seafood like area and it just has all these fresh all this fresh fresh fish uh langoustines 
They had today uh, Turbo. I mean, everything, scallops, sea urchin. It's always inspiring for me to go look at fresh seafood. I just love fish in general. And just going to the market today really just blew me away because it was just so much fun and there was just so much to see there. There's this place in the market called Donuttery. And it's this place where they make like these different flavored donuts. And I got my favorite one, which is the purple pig. And it's purple potato with maple and bacon. And then my chef Ross got, uh, it was like peanuts. It was like peanut with uh, cayenne. It was like peanut butter with cayenne pepper. And they both were killer. Really good donuts. If you're ever in the Chelsea market, go check out Donuttery. Great donuts, great product. And it's just cool because the donut machine's right there and they just make them right in front of you. And yeah, I really enjoyed that a lot. After that, we went to the sushi bar called Momoya, uh, which was really good. Uh, this was in the East Village. And just really uh, creative sushi menu. Uh, there, was this, there was this dish called the tuna tortilla. And it was a tortilla that was super thin. It almost tasted, tasted like a saltine cracker. And on the tortilla was a Kalamata olive mayonnaise. And then on top of that was thinly sliced tuna. And then a little bit of oil and salt on top. And it was so cold like the dish, like the bite. And it was just, it was like an appetizer. And it was just so refreshing to eat. The tuna was so thin. The cracker was so thin. And the the mayonnaise was spread so like perfectly. Like it's just the perfect amount. And it was so refreshing to eat and so tasty. And it was all like umami and richness. And like the fish was just beautifully like sliced. And you could tell it was high quality fish. And I just really enjoyed, you know, eating that because it was just a great experience, and it was one of the best things I've had at a sushi restaurant. And then I got their uh, their chef's uh, tasting for lunch, which is really good price uh, with sushi, sashimi, and whatnot. And, yeah, I mean, Momoya, New York City, you, got, you all did a great job. I really love the sushi, and I will be sure to be back. And then after that, I uh, went back, got changed into my suit, and we went on over to La Berna Den. Uh, LaBernadette was special for me because it's a place I've always wanted to go to, but I never thought I would be able to go there until I was much, I guess, older. I don't know why. It's just a place that exudes class and it's just very, you know, it's very proper and it's very, uh, sophisticated and dynamic. And I don't know why I never thought I could go there, but I ended up going tonight and it was really good. I went with, uh, Ross, my, one of my best friends, Rebecca Cho and my girlfriend, Dominica, and it was just a blast to go and eat there. Uh, the menu, we did the chef's tasting menu. It was $225 for eight courses, and it was worth it. I mean, we started with caviar tartare, which was hamachi ocetra caviar tartare with sea lettuce and dashi gelée. This was really nice. The tartare was, like, super cold and super refreshing, and the uh, ocetra caviar went really well with it, like that nice salty touch, and the dashi gelée just pulled it all together with, like, that seaweed, like, umami richness that you would expect out of a dashi. After that, we went to this langoustine dish, which was a seared langoustine with morels, foie gras, crouton, and balsamic truffle vinaigrette. This, by far, was my favorite dish of the night. Uh, the seared langoustine was perfectly cooked. It was like butter. It was like it was like butter, but then it wasn't. It was also had a crisp, crisp in it, the crispness of a langoustine. And then the foie gras crouton just was so savory and so rich, but also so light because there was so little of it in terms of like foie gras that it just like balanced everything out. And then the balsamic truffle vinaigrette just made like that really nice smooth finish on the plate. After that, we went to sea trout. I really liked this dish because it was plated in like a very classically French way. And it was a, it was smoked sea trout and it was pickled red onion on it and a citrus miso emulsion. And it was a crispy like potato chip on top. 
And the texture of the fish was really cool because you had the bottom, which was seared, so it was a little bit tougher. And then the smoked flavor led to a different texture on the fish. And, um, you know, when I went to that, it was just like, when I bit into it, I was like, wow, this is like really good. The fish tasted great. And the pickled red onion really led a nice bit of acidity to the fattiness of the, of the trout so that it all came together into one balanced bite. After that, we went to black bass, which was also plated very classically French way. And it was steamed. It was a baby shrimp, calamari, and a lemongrass-infused bouillon. And it really threw me back to my uh, my days in culinary school just because the plating was like all these different components with like fresh herbs and uh, broth pour table side. It was like cl just classic French, but flavors with a little bit of a Japanese influence with a ponzu gel in there. And I just really enjoyed that dish a lot. After that, we went to Dover Sole. It was sauteed Dover Sole with almonds, morels, peas, fava beans, and soy lime emulsion. This dish was amazing. Uh, the morels and the fava beans and the soy lime emulsion tasted great together. The Dover Sole had a nice bite to it, but it was prepared, it was like so thin as Dover Sole is. Um, it had so much of a good bite to it. It was seared perfectly, seasoned perfectly, and it really just blew me away. Um, this is my first time eating Dover Sole. And with the almonds and the butter sauce, it was like a very like homey feeling to it. And when I was eating it, it was, it, I, I get this feeling a lot when I eat really good, like meat dishes or a really like nice dessert, but it was really weird to have this out of a fish dish. And I really enjoyed it. Next up was lobster and it was glazed main lobster with leek cannelloni and red wine, rosemary sauce. This was the only dish of the night that I really wasn't a fan of. Um, I wasn't, I, I don't know. I really wasn't a fan of the red wine sauce and the leek cannelloni and the lobster. I don't know. It just... I, it was an odd pairing for me. And, you know, maybe some people like it. And obviously they have three stars. So who am I to judge? Just a humble cook. But for me, this dish was the only dish of the night that I wasn't really about. Uh, next up was the ginger. And it was candied ginger parfait with roasted pineapple sorbet. And this was like a, the bite before dessert. And it was really refreshing. The roasted pineapple sorbet really tasted like a roasted pineapple in the best way. Um... It was smoky and sweet, and then the candy ginger parfait was spicy because of the ginger, and it all just came together really nicely. And then last up, we had uh, citrus dessert, and it was a orange, uh, burnt orange, burnt, <laughs> what, what am I saying? Burnt orange cremeau with um, clementine yogurt sorbet and olive oil citrus sauce. And it was cool because they plated all of this inside of uh, meringue, uh, which I really like meringue platings. I don't know why. And then on top, now you had the you had this ice cream sorbet and it was just really nice the when you cracked into it and you ate it it was super like sour at first from the citrus but then automatically went to sweetness from the yogurt and the um the sorbet and it just all pulled together beautifully and of course all the dishes were plated very well and the service was great and it was a three and a half it was a three hour and 15 minute dining experience that you know honestly felt like about two hours there was a little lull in between one of the courses but other than that it, time kind of flew and I had a lot of fun times, and yeah, it was really one of the better meals of my life, and I would definitely go back to Liberta Den, and I just enjoyed it a lot. So very, very happy with the meal, very happy to have spent the time today with Ross and the, the rest of my uh, friends in the city and girlfriend, and it was just great, and I had a great day doing that, and I think that's why I like going out to Michelin so much is because of the, the time you spend with each other. It's special. It's something that... Uh, you only get to do once in a while. And I think that's why I like it so much. But there was a part of me that was thinking, you know, I could be a cook back there picking 
the herbs or doing the amuse-bouche and like trembling and being scared. And, you know, it's, it's just something just doesn't sit right with me as much as it did anymore in terms of going out to eat. And, you know, I don't know. It's just a thought I have, you know, and that's why I do this podcast for the people out there who need to get through service and need someone who they can go listen to and talk or at least be, share their stories and just hang out with and have a good time with. I, I hope this podcast helps anyone who feels like they're in that situation. But like I said, Laberna Den, great meal, great time with Ross. Thank you, Ross, for coming out and hanging out with me. It was great to see you. And yeah, I mean, New York City has been great. It offers me so much to go do and see. And it's just been an exciting time. And there's so many great places to check out. Uh, oh, and one thing I did forget to mention, we went on the High Line uh, walkway, which is really cool in New York City. And we just saw some great views. So yeah, it was a great day. And that is my recap of the kind of eventful day I had today. And now let's get into breakfast. All right, so here we go. Breakfast. Um, <laughs> I know my opinions on breakfast aren't going to be the popular opinion, and I know a lot of you are probably going to message me saying, why do you have this opinion? But I think I can explain, and I think I can do so well, and I'm willing to defend all of my opinions, so here we go. Um, hmm. All right, I guess I'll start with breakfast growing up as a kid. So for me, breakfast growing up as a kid, like I said, I loved cereal. Um, I, when I was a kid, I was probably like a cereal connoisseur. Uh, all different types of cereal were amazing to me. Everything from Frosted Flakes to Shredded Wheat to Fruity Pebbles to Cocoa Crisp, um, even the occasional Pops, Fruit Loops, Tricks, everything. Um, they were all just great, great cereals. And I would have these giant bowls of cereal, like, unhealthy amounts uh big reason probably why i gain rate weight in the long run <laughs> but um yeah i just loved cereals growing up favorite being fruity pebbles i loved a good cookie crisp i loved um cocoa pebbles and you know instead of using regular milk using chocolate milk which was insane on chocolate levels uh back in the day but um i mean yeah cereal was always was my first uh go-to breakfast item when i was a kid I really liked oatmeal as well, not boring old plain oatmeal. Uh, I really liked like strawberries and cream and peaches and cream oatmeal. That was like my go-to, which I know are also very unhealthy for you. But I was a kid and I love sugar, so what can you like? What do you expect? After that, um, I think when I was like around seven or eight, my mom taught me how to make scrambled eggs, and that changed my life. Uh, I love eggs. I eat eggs every day, um, and I just love egg cookery. And I really just enjoy a really well-cooked egg, whether it be a scrambled egg or a poached egg or an over-easy egg or a boiled egg. I just think eggs are amazing, and they are my definitive breakfast go-to meal in, you know, in terms of, like, a savory meal. And I really – I don't know. I just – my fascination with eggs, I think, is the yolk. Uh, I love poached eggs because the yolk is nothing better than, like, an avocado toast or a mushroom toast. With you know, you break open the yolk and you're able to like soft it up with the bread and everything, and you just get this really rich, um, delicate flavor, and it's very luxurious to me. The egg yolk, and I don't know, I just love it, and I love having that for breakfast. But we'll get in that, into that in a little bit. And uh, but um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of my breakfast growing up was a, like a very sweet breakfast. Like I said, I would have all those cereals, and my grandma would make pancakes. I still say my grandma's pancakes are the best because. I don't know how she did it, but she made the pancakes and sometimes maybe she didn't mix the batter well enough. There'd be a little part of the pancake that was like, that still had some of the egg white on it. So like there was like an egg 
cooked on the outside of the pancake, which is like really delicious. And I mean, yeah, I liked French toast. I liked waffles and I liked it all. I thought it was all great. Uh, we'd go to Denny's, get the unlimited pancake special, um, get the nice strawberry syrup in those little metal pours. I mean, I, I love breakfast. Uh, the reason I love breakfast is I'm an early riser. I wake up really, I wake up earlier than most people, I think, in the mornings. Even on my days off, I try to get up at 7 a.m. because there's so much to do in the day. And, there, and for me, honestly, why I like waking up early is everyone would be sleeping in in the house. So I felt like for me that waking up early would be like the few, the first few hours of the day would be like the, just time for me to be by myself. Like, obviously, I go to my room and whatnot, but it was always quiet. And I could just wake up and just like, I don't know, just be be alone and not have to worry about anyone coming in and bothering me and not trying to sound in a bad way. But it was just what I looked forward to is like the morning and just having that peace and quiet to myself to just recuperate. I guess as a kid, I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I just enjoyed the mornings. So breakfast was always a big thing for me. And, you know, I've had a, a love-hate with breakfast in the sense where I've had to cook for it and ended up not liking it as much. There was a time when I didn't even eat breakfast for about a year of my life. But I've come to realize that breakfast is important, not because, I mean, obviously it's important because of nutritional ways and starting your day, but because it's one of the best meals. Meals, um, I think it's one of the best meals you can eat because, I don't know, it's just so refreshing to wake up hungry and ready to start your day and just having a really fulfilling breakfast. I mean, that feeling is, for me, just amazing. It's... I don't know, waking up and having a nice, like a good cooked egg with nice toast that's been toasted and buttered properly and a nice cold glass of orange juice and a nice hot cup of coffee. I mean, that's my that's my go-to breakfast. So I guess I'm starting to get have myself. So yeah, I go with that. So if I could eat one breakfast, it would be a toast that was toasted to golden brown, not burnt and not too light. Uh, too light toast is terrible. Um, try spreading butter on it. It's not even hot enough so the butter doesn't melt. The butter on the toast is important. Uh, that butter better be melted. There can't be cold butter on toast. That's just not right. Like if you're making toast, as soon as that toast pops out of the toaster, you got to put butter on that. There's no, there should be no reason why you have cold butter on toast. Like, I don't get when people toast bread and then they put gold butter butter in and they smash it in and just like get crumbs everywhere, expecting it to spread when it's cold. But like, come on. Take the time, make a good, nice piece of toast. So we start out with toast, right? And if I was getting really fancy and wanted to get, really get a really nice breakfast, I would get like a maitake mushroom or an oyster mushroom and saute that and put that on top of the toast with maybe some fresh goat cheese and, oh, my God, and a little bit of chives. That would be amazing on the toast. And on top of that, I would put two poached eggs or two over-easy eggs, or I would put scrambled eggs down on the toast before I put the mushrooms on on the side of that, I would have a slice of avocado with salt and pepper. And then drink-wise, I would have a nice tall glass of cold orange juice and a nice hot cup of coffee that was black, no sugar, no cream, nothing. That is my perfect breakfast. That is the breakfast that I dream of. If I could eat that breakfast every day for the rest of my life, I'd be the happiest man on earth. If I could eat that breakfast every week, I'd be the happiest man on earth. Simple ingredients, simple cooking, not a long time to make, and it has all the flavor notes. Sweetness from the orange juice, like, you know, beautiful, like, toasted, smoky toast is nice. The butter is nice and fatty. The eggs are nice and rich. If you add a little bit of creme fraiche into the scrambled eggs, a little bit of acidity, acidity. coffee is acidic as well. I mean, it all just balances out and does really good things. Orange juice is obviously acidic as well. 
And yeah, I mean, that's my go-to breakfast. And I guess, I don't know. I think culinary school changed my perception on breakfast because I started learning more about mushrooms and mushrooms for me are a great breakfast item. And that's what I love to see. If there's anything with mushrooms, I'll get it. So mushrooms for me are just amazing in breakfast. And that's kind of what got me away from sweet breakfast. And I recently put a poll out on um, my Lion Cook Thoughts page just to get your opinion. And I asked, uh, in lead up to tomorrow's breakfast episode, sweet or savory breakfast? And I did a poll. And 59% of you said savory and 23% of you said sweet. So I guess I'm not in the minority here. I'm actually in amongst the Lion Nation where a lot of us are going to agree. I don't like sweet breakfast. I don't like pancakes. I don't like waffles. I don't like, uh, I, I kind of like crepes, but savory crepes. I don't like sweet breakfast. It doesn't mean I'll never have a pancake again. No. Does it mean I'll never have a waffle again? No. What it means is that I just, I don't know. I just don't think having dessert to start your day is very fulfilling. They taste good. Yes. To an extent, but like for me, like pancakes kind of get boring after a while. Like, it's just bread and butter and syrup, and it's just like a sweet – a reason to put sweet, like, sauce into your mouth. And I just don't enjoy it. It's it's not great. Waffles are a step up, especially if you get a nice savory waffle, like smoked salmon in it. But if you're just going for a sweet waffle, I get it. Yes, it could be good with, like, compotes and whatnot. And, yes, I do think those taste good, but they're not fulfilling for me. And crepes are cool because they're thin, and so maybe they can go with a savory breakfast – but I just don't like sweet breakfast in general. I just don't – I don't get it. I don't get why I would want to waste a meal on a pancake or a waffle and why they are just, like, so praised among so many people. Like, people go crazy over these pancakes and waffles, and it's just not for me. I don't think I've ordered a pancake or waffle in five years, and I just – I don't know. It's just because I think it's a waste. I just think there's so much better out there, like – a perfectly cooked omelet or beautifully like cooked creamy scrambled eggs and mushrooms and toast and uh casseroles hashes like everything and i just i just don't see why you would waste a beautiful breakfast on a pancake or a waffle that is my opinion uh as i'm recording this my girlfriend's looking at me like i'm crazy i know you're all gonna probably maybe stop listening to this episode and turn it off you might not even listen to the podcast ever again i'm sorry but I just don't like pancakes and waffles. And that's the reason. I just don't see why we're eating dessert for breakfast. I'm not trying to be elitist. I'm not trying to sound like I'm on a high pedestal or some fancy chef who thinks they're like people, like food of the common folk, and I don't want to be, be a part of it. It's none of that. I just don't – it just doesn't draw my attention. I don't know. I love sweets, but not for breakfast. I just don't enjoy a big, giant, glopping mess of sweet syrup and pancakes and butter just uh it just bothers me i feel like I, I whenever i eat that i get off to a sluggish start and maybe that's cool for some people but for me like i i just can't do it so in the argument for sweet versus savory it's not only that i prefer savory it's pretty much all i'll eat for breakfast i'll have a cereal once in a while cereal i still hold dear in my heart i love a good cereal i love oatmeal i actually started to actually eat regular oatmeal not the sugary stuff but in terms of like a pancake or a waffle. I don't I don't know the last time I've had a pancake or a waffle. Like that's how much I've stood like for this view. I don't even remember the last time I've eaten one. Um and like I said, it's not because I don't like them. I crave them once in a while, once in a blue moon. But then I'm like, it's just not it's not breakfast and I know I'm gonna enjoy the eggs a lot more. 
and the mushrooms a lot more. So that's my take on it. That's my take on sweet versus savory. I'm sorry if you don't agree. I'm sorry if you like pancakes and you think I'm crazy. I am crazy, but I just don't enjoy that for breakfast. And I just don't, for me, I just don't think it's a fun, or just something that's an interesting breakfast item. And I know there's a lot of places that do a lot of cool, crazy things. And I know you'll send me links and whatnot, but for me, just not for me. And I would much rather prefer like a nice egg beautifully cooked. Uh, another breakfast item I love is a uh, hash, like corned beef hash or like different hashes. Uh, we did get a topic request for different hashes. I had to do more research on that. So like I said, I wanted to do a whole episode on breakfast items. This is merely my opinion on it and breakfast cooks. But man, a good corned beef hash fr that gets fried to perfection in the pan and then a nice, like two nice over easy eggs, like amazing, amazing stuff there. I also love bagels. I think bagels are really great. A nice bagel with, like an everything bagel. So there's a place called Zucker's in New York City that I love. It's everything bagel with smoked salmon and chive cream cheese. Like, oh my God, that is, that's the best. It's the best breakfast. Like, that is another amazing breakfast. Throw an egg on there and it's all good. I mean, that's like, what more could you ask for? Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, sometimes I'll hit up Starbucks and get their breakfast sandwiches. They're not the best, but it's better than getting a cupcake for breakfast. I mean, I don't know. It's my opinion on it, but I really think a good breakfast sandwich is what can really like put breakfast for me to the next level like a really good breakfast sandwich like house-made sausage or at least really good tasting sausage a really nice fried egg that's not too overcooked and crispy um and i also just love like avocado and like a spicy mayo i mean it all just it's all so good uh and that's that's what i look for in breakfast just so you have a general idea um it brings me to a topic, and I'd love to hear about this on Instagram. Do you like crispy eggs? I hate when eggs are fried and they get really crispy. I like a nice soft egg. Uh, that's just my preference. But I know when I cook for my girlfriend, she loves her eggs crispy, and it drives me crazy. When I make French omelets for her, I make the omelet brown in terms of crispiness so she can enjoy it more. But other than that, I mean, I just don't like crispy eggs. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. But, yeah, that's my opinion on breakfast. Next up, I want to talk about breakfast for dinner, but for me, like I said, savory all the way. Um, I don't remember the last time I had a pancake. Sorry if I've offended you with that, but that's my take on breakfast and what I really like, and I think we've established what I like for breakfast so that when we go into the future, you kind of know what I enjoy. And as you can tell, I'm passionate about this meal. Like I said, I get up early, so I take breakfast very seriously. And if you don't have a good breakfast game, I mean, I'm probably not going to come eat at your place um, if you serve breakfast and it's not great. So I really just enjoy a great breakfast. I also love going to diners because um, back in Buffalo, like our diners weren't like, I've been to diners in New Jersey, like really true diners. And those are really cool, but diners that are a little bit more modern uh, and they're just like a couple people. It's like family owned and they just like cook good solid breakfast foods and that's all they're open for. I just think those places are really cool. Uh, I'm also a fan of brunch. I think, uh, I mean, as much as I do not like cooking brunch as a cook, uh, I know Anthony Bourdain has a lot of funny quotes on it, and I know it's a dreaded shift for a lot of cooks. As much as I don't like cooking it, I have to admit it's my guilty pleasure. I love going to brunch. The best brunch I've ever had was Prune in New York City by Gabriel Hamilton. I've gone three times, and it's just been amazing. I get this dish. Um, I think it's called sausage and oysters. I'm not sure if there's an actual name for it, but there's basically house-made sausage. There's three oysters on a bed of salt. There's uh, this, this the best toast I've ever had. I'm not sure how she makes it, but it's so buttery and delicious. 
and stewed tomatoes and just like a sprig of parsley. And I get that with the prune juice, which is a mix of different uh, citrus juices at her restaurant. And that brunch is amazing. Uh, I'd go there every day if I could, if I could afford that. But um, I love prune. I love their brunch. I highly suggest you go check it out. Recently, I went with my girlfriend to uh, Dirt Candy in New York City as well. That was a great brunch spot. Uh, they had a lot of cool um, vegetarian options, and it was just really nice to go and once again have solid brunch food. So those are my places that I recommend for brunch in New York City. And if you have a diner near you and you haven't gone, just go check it out and see. Um, I don't like Kai Hop. I don't like Denny's. Uh, I think if you're going to go get breakfast, go get it made right by a family-owned business and not IHOP or Denny's. And I don't get why... I don't know. I just don't get why people go there. I went there as a kid. I get it. But now if you're a cook, I don't know why you go to Denny's when you know there's so much more out there. But everyone has their thing. And if you still like Denny's, hey, you still like Denny's. And I think that's great. Uh, I still like Fruity Pebbles. So I hope we could have bonded a little bit on breakfast. And yeah, I want to talk next about uh, eating breakfast for dinner. All right. So next time I want to talk about breakfast for dinner. And I just want to talk about it really quick. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this as well, but I really don't enjoy breakfast for dinner. I'm sorry. Uh, It seems like I don't enjoy breakfast foods as I'm talking in this podcast, but I don't know. I just, I think breakfast is, uh, it's a meal that you have to get up early for. You have to get up in the morning for. And I think there's something special about that early morning feel of eating breakfast and just starting your day off on the right foot and going to get a nice breakfast in the morning. And for me, knowing that after I've cooked for a long day, if I can get up early and get to breakfast, I can get an early start on my day. And I've earned that meal because I was able to wake up earlier. And I don't know. It's just for me, I just like the idea of waking up early in the morning and going to get food like that. And so when I get breakfast for dinner, I'm just like, yeah, this isn't like, it's not right for me. For me, I just believe that breakfast is something that you eat in the morning. And, you know, I'm not saying like all breakfast food shouldn't be served at night, but like, when you serve like pancakes for dinner or eggs and bacon for dinner, it's just like, it's for me, it's not right. It's like, I don't know. Like I said, I just think that getting up early in the morning so you're able to go enjoy a nice breakfast is more worthwhile than just like cheating and eating it for dinner. And I don't know. That's just my opinion. I just, I just do not like breakfast for dinner. And whenever people cook it for me, I'm just like not really excited. Sure. I'll eat it. But like I said, I'd much rather be cooked a nice meal for dinner and not just breakfast because while breakfast isn't an easy thing to cook there's a lot more you can do for dinner and I feel like when you do breakfast for dinner it's a little bit easier of a feel because you can just throw eggs in a pan and bacon and you call it a day and I don't know I just I really think there's something to be said for getting up early in the morning to go get your breakfast that's my two cents on breakfast for dinner hope you all don't hate me for that but I just I just don't like it So the last topic of the episode that I want to talk about is breakfast cooks. And I want to talk about breakfast cooks because they are some of the most, in my eyes, respectable people in terms of people in our industry. Getting up so, so early to go cook breakfast is so difficult. Uh, Back when I was in culinary school, there was a one-week class for breakfast cookery. And I think I had to wake up at 4.30 to go cook breakfast for class. And... It was so hard. I mean, I, like I said, I like getting up early. I get up at 7. Uh, but getting up at 7 and getting up at 4.30, there's a huge difference. And, you know, it was just – it was difficult because a, I had to go to sleep earlier, which when you're a chef, most of us go to sleep very late. And especially when 
like you're doing a lot of other things and you're in a set routine for years now. When you switch over to breakfast cookery, it's just so hard to kind of get into that zone right away. It takes time. It takes a lot of changing with your body to get used to going to sleep at an earlier hour or at least get getting used to not getting as much sleep. Um, and it's just hard because when you're a breakfast cook, you have to wake up so early and either you sacrifice the hours at night that you could be spent on your hobbies or whatever, or you just go to bed at your normal time and just end up being tired the rest of the day. And it's a very difficult like situation to be in. And there's a lot of, you know, I don't think breakfast cooks are shared enough. I don't think breakfast cooks are looked up to enough where in my eyes, I see them as some of the best, strongest people are in our industry. Like I said, I don't know if I could work breakfast like a lot of these kitchen workers do. I mean, some people have been cooking breakfast for 20, 30 years, getting up early, getting in the kitchen, doing their prep and just executing breakfast service. And, you know, we'll get into like breakfast and brunch and kind of what it means to be a cook in those roles. But I mean, damn, like breakfast cookery, I think is some of the best skills. Like you have to have some of the best skills in terms of cooking eggs and, you know, multitasking and time management because people expect breakfast to get out to you at a much shorter rate than lunch and dinner. Uh, a, because it's early. B, because there's probably less tolerance because people are tired and cranky and just want their food because they're hungry and they just woke up. They want to start the day right. So automatically you're at a disadvantage because you have to cook things at a much faster rate. There's not as much lenience when it comes to breakfast and getting the food out in time. Second thing is people are very particular and picky about their breakfast. I mean, I just spent a, a half hour talking about which breakfast I like the most and why I like them. And when you're a breakfast cook, you have to get them just right. I mean, people like their eggs a certain way. Some people really love a good runny egg. And if you you know cook the yolk in that egg, you might get it sent back. And this flip side if you undercook an egg and someone's really squeamish about egg yolks, you will get it sent back as well. So there's a lot of technicality and precision when it comes to cooking eggs. Hard-boiled eggs, I mean, cooking those large-scale, they can be easy, but if you mess them up, it's a lot of waste, a lot of lost eggs if they turn army green and you're not able to serve them. And, I mean, don't get me started on pancakes and waffles. I mean, there's only so much room on a flat top. Yes, they're quick, but at the same time, People want, when you're paying for a pancake or a waffle, they want well-made pancakes and waffles. They don't just want something slopped on the grill and thrown out. Like, there's a certain level of what a pancake should be. Light, fluffy, uh, sweet, like, tasting tastes great, and not cold. And when you are working with breakfast foods, you just have a lot going on. And you're usually responsible for a lot more than just one item. And the prep that's involved when you get into dishes like Eggs Benedict, when you have to keep hollandaise at a certain temperature and you have to make sure that doesn't break or spill and you have to poach your eggs beforehand and crack all the eggs separately and put them into separate meat cups and then poach them in a large pot of water and make sure they're all like ready to go beforehand if you sandbag and if you don't sandbag the eggs you have to poach them to order and make sure they don't get overcooked and the water isn't boiling and there's just so many different factors in breakfast cookery and I can't state how much I admire cooks in this line of work and I just I don't know. I feel like every cook has to work a breakfast shift. Uh, for me, it was at the CIA, and I worked some early mornings in terms of brunch and getting in early to put that out. Uh, my first restaurant job was a hotel restaurant, and I would just want to say that I never want to work an omelet station again. Uh, those stations are some of the hardest. I mean, especially when your lobby fills up, your your kitchen lobby fills up for the hotel restaurant, and there's like 40 people in line waiting to get an omelet that you're making on a butane burner and you're throwing ingredients in and people are watching you and expecting a show and expecting you not to mess up. 
I mean, that gets pretty frustrating, especially if you're making true French omelets and there's a line of people. And if you mess it up, you got to start over again. And, you know, it's just a lot of work and there's so much that's involved in it. And you're already tired from being there so early and you're more tired now because you're moving around and you're doing a lot of physical activity and a lot of like work and heavy duty work. And I remember working breakfast shifts at the hotel that I used to work at and just being like, God, like, I, like, I don't, like, I just can't, like, this sucks. Like, this really sucks for me. But I kind of enjoyed the omelet station after a while. I kind of enjoyed breakfast cooking because it's where I learned to be fast. And it's where I learned to be efficient. And it's where I learned to start understanding the concept of if you're more organized and more ready to go before a service starts in terms of mise en place, the smoother it will go. When I started those brunch services or those breakfast services, I was a mess because I wasn't able to keep up because I wasn't able to organize myself beforehand with prep and mise en place and everything else you will need to run a successful, a successful breakfast service. And so when I started like actually organizing and paying attention to my mise en place and really understanding the fundamentals of what it meant to be a good breakfast cook and a good brunch cook, that's when I started to enjoy it more. A couple of years down the road, later on, I started cooking brunch. And brunch is tough. Uh, for restaurant workers because if you don't know most restaurants are open late on Saturday nights and if you're a team that doesn't have like a lot of interchanging employees and they cook a late brunch like a late Saturday night service they have to be back early to cook brunch and god that's hard I mean going and working probably the busiest night of the week and getting out late after cleaning and making sure the kitchen looks tight and then coming in six or five hours later just to cook brunch is a really tough thing it's a really big mental jump for a lot of people for me it took a lot uh when i was in school i was cooking in this place in beacon and i would work saturday nights and i would get home super late and i'd have to be back at 7 a.m the next day for brunch and my drive to work was 40 minutes uh each way so i would get back around 11 30 midnight and would have to get up literally at 5 45 get to my car at 6.10 in the school parking lot and drive there and be there by 6.50 because I like to show up 10 minutes early, clock in at 7 and get to work. I mean, it's a lot. And I was so exhausted and tired in those shifts. And it was just such a long period of my life. It felt like just working late Saturday and getting back there Sunday. And I mean, brunch is just one of those shifts, man, that like it just it takes a toll on you. It just wears you down, especially, like I said, when you work those Saturday nights. And brunch is tricky because brunch can have a burger on it, which you have to like know your temps really well with meat. Uh, it has eggs on it, so you have to be able to like cook eggs properly. Usually an omelet, so you have to be able to cook a perfect French omelet. Uh, usually like a nice French, like a composed French toast or pancakes. Um, always an eggs Benedict, so you have to be able to make a mother sauce, and you have to make sure you make you're able to make a you know an emulsion basically. There's all these things that are in play. You have to be able to poach eggs properly. You have to be able to set your station up for success. You have to be able to control your heat in a pan when eggs are in there so you don't, you know, overcoagulate the egg whites and it, it becomes bubbly and, you know, stiff and crunchy and chewy. And there's just so many different things thinking about it. Like, you can get anxiety thinking about all this, all the stuff you need to know as a breakfast cook. And I say that, like, with seriousness. Like, there's just so much that you have to do. And if you're working late nights and you have to go in then early the next morning – it can lead to not a great place in terms of where you're at and how you're feeling as a worker and as a cook. And I just want to say thank you if you are. If you're going into service and you're listening to this and you're about to go into a brunch or a breakfast service, just thank you so much because it's such a strong testament to who you are as a person if you're able to cook brunch. And I'm not trying to be corny. I'm not trying to like 
like I, I, I'm totally serious. Like brunch is hard. Breakfast is hard. And if you're able to do it as a cook day in and day out, especially after you work night shifts, I mean, I just, I have so much respect for you. Uh, that being said, I, like I said, I don't like working brunch. It's very early for me, but I do love eating brunch. So I'm sorry when I go out to eat, uh, because I know there's a cook back there who's probably had a long weekend and, you know, Sunday's probably the last day of the week. They probably get Monday off and they just have to get through that brunch service. And I just try to be the least, um, I just try to make it as easy as possible. I just tell them how I want my eggs. Sure. If the eggs are overcooked a little bit or sure if the, if, if it isn't perfect, I will not send it back. I mean, if it's egregious and like the eggs are just like rubber, like sure, of course, but I rarely send any food back. That's something I wanted to ask you all. Do you send food back as cooks? I usually don't send food back. I, I don't know why. I just, I know what it feels like. And I'd rather just, I feel like when I don't send food back, I take, it's like, you know what? This cook may have messed up today. I'm not going to like make them get yelled at because I know that feeling and want to look out for them. So like, I don't even send food back for that reason, unless it's very like an egregious like mistake. Like maybe there was a hair in it or maybe there's like a piece of like foreign debris in it. Or maybe it was, if it was just like, I wanted something rare and they cooked it to a while, then sure, of course. Um, but like, if it's like minor mistakes, I won't send it back. But I feel like in breakfast and brunch, the microscope is turned on because, like I said, people are cranky. It's early in the morning. That it's the first meal of their day. It's an important way to start their day. And they just want a really good experience. So that's why I think it's so hard. That's why I think, you know, it's dangerous to be a cook and chugging coffee when you're working Saturday nights and Sunday nights because you just get anxious and there's just so much going on. And I just don't know. I don't know the answer to it. Um and I know I've been repeating like that anxiety type thing, but there is a lot of anxiety. I feel like when you're cooking a breakfast or brunch service and you have to go in early after working these long nights and I don't know the answer because someone's got to do it, I guess. But I really think it's important that if you're a breakfast cook, you stay on that schedule. And if you're a cook at night, you stay on that schedule. And I know for a lot of smaller restaurants, that's not a possibility or that's not the case at least. And I don't know. I, I don't know the answer, but thank you. If you cook breakfast or brunch, Truly appreciate it. We've been having great meals, and it's been a blast. The last thing I want to talk about for a breakfast service is the, I guess, just like why it could be profitable for profitable for a restaurant. I mean, if you're able to serve like champagne in the morning at brunch or like mimosas and drinks like that, like housemate like specialty, like breakfast drinks, and you're able to get a high turnover, I mean, it could be very profitable, and I understand why establishments do it. Uh, you got to cook. Alana from you got to cook brings up a really good point that you turn breakfast tables a lot faster than dinner tables and you're able to make money off of a more wide range of people. And I think it's cool that, you know, chefs have found a way to capitalize on this. And I've noticed the restaurants like Squirrel coming up with really good breakfast options and making sure breakfast really just it's a home run in the restaurants and I'm excited to see what the future of it is because I've just, in my opinion, I've seen a lot of breakfast places pop up that are really taking breakfast seriously, you know, like prune having a house made sausage on the breakfast menu and being able to just do stuff like that. I just think it's a really cool thing for anyone who's interested in breakfast or for anyone who's passionate about breakfast. And I would love to hear your thoughts on if you're a breakfast cook, some of your breakfast cook stories. My next podcast is going to be focusing on different uh, breakfasts from different types of um ethnicities and i also want to talk about breakfast cook stories i think it would be really cool if y'all could share with me some wild cook stories and i would love to react to those as well uh that's going to be what's going on in the next breakfast episode that will not be the next episode next week 
Uh, I'm not sure when I'm exactly going to do it, but I know I need to talk more about Brock Lesnar than just one episode. And on this, my whole goal was to tell you my opinion on it, lay the framework, see where we can relate, see where we can agree and disagree, and just admire Breakfast Cooks. I want to talk more about breakfast, and I know a lot of you have sent me a lot of messages about it, and I know you all are very passionate about it. So like I said, I'm very excited to talk about it, and I just look forward to hearing more of your stories and your thoughts on this important meal. And with that, I just want to shout out a reminder. Don't forget to download the Anchor app and look up Line Cook Thoughts and leave me a voice message on why Anthony Bourdain meant so much to you. The deadline is May 29th, and I really hope we can leave an impact on the industry in terms of sharing why Tony Bourdain was such an idol to all of us. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. I, you know, I'll thank you all every week. It just means so much that you spend an hour with me on Wednesdays and an hour with me on Sundays to just chat and learn and listen and just be a part of something that I think will have a huge impact on chefs one day. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. It means a ton. I will be getting to more of your, more of your breakfast topics because I know you're very passionate about them and I'm very excited for the future episodes. Thank you all cook nation. So for the last segment of the show, I will be doing what I do every week and it's sharing the line cook thoughts that I got on Instagram this week that I thought were very insightful or just offered a good, Point of view. So this first one's coming from at uh, uh, Jillis by Bryce, I think is how you said. Sorry if I mispronounced that. But he shares, since a child, I've always been so amazed at the endless opportunities food provides. Even though I always loved food, becoming a chef seemed unlikely until I realized one day that regular college didn't give me the fulfillment I wanted. So I dropped out of school and got the first kitchen job I could and haven't looked back. I started as a prep cook and showed up each and every day eager to learn. My hard work was noticed and gradually was put on garden manger, then fry and then grill until I decided I wanted to take it a step further and attend culinary school. As a kid, I always heard about the CIA in Hyde Park and knew if I ever went, that would be the place for me. I am now currently on my second semester at the CIA, and so far I couldn't be happier. I've had to sacrifice so much by leaving my friends and family behind and fully dedicate my life to food. I love stories like this because it shows that the pull of the kitchen doesn't hit us all at the same time. There's definitely times where... People don't realize they want to be cooking until much later in life. And I just think it's cool that people embrace that change and end up doing it. So best of luck to you at the CIA. I mean, it's definitely the place to go if you want to cook. I love my time there. And I wish you all the best. This next one's coming in from at Raz Cooks. And he says, my name is Raziel DeLugo. I chose to dive into cooking because I want to give myself completely to what I do. I never felt compelled to do so elsewhere. You can't lie when it comes to food. You're either good or you're not. I work hard to be the first. I love this quote because I just really enjoy that cooking is so honest and there's so much honesty in it. And without um, without that like honesty, it's just, I don't know, I just don't think cooking would be the same in terms of why I like it so much. Like When you're in the kitchen, at the end of the day, it depends on your skills as a chef and how you're able to cook. So I just really enjoy that. I think it's a really cool thought that other people appreciate the honesty in the kitchen. And I just love the... I just love why so many cooks fall in love with it. Just the honest way the kitchen tells you what you need to work on, what you need to focus on, and how you can be better. And I, there's just no lying about it. So thank you for sharing. This last quote is shared by at Maddie Yates 2101 He says, for me, cooking is the only thing I can see myself doing for the rest of my career. There's an odd sense of homeliness about the hum of the extraction system throughout the day. As much as it's hard work and needs you to be 100% committed to the job, and put in a lot of hard work and dedication. There's something so rewarding about taking an ingredient and deciding where you want to take it and how you want it to be before ending up at a final dish 
you're happy with and moving on to the next thing afterwards before the plate's even cleaned from the last idea. And even when it doesn't work, there's a satisfaction in breaking it down to find out where it didn't work and why, and then making it work. The constant search to learn something new, regardless of how big or small it may be, is a massive part of what drives me every day, and I wouldn't change it for any other career. The idea of learning and getting better each day and growing as a cook, as a chef, as someone in the food industry, I mean, you're never, like, there's no ending point. There's always something to learn, a new cuisine, a new technique, a new recipe, a new way of doing this. There's even a new way of cutting an onion, people. I mean, that possibilities are endless, and I just really enjoy the thought that, you know, at the end of the day, we work so hard, and yes, we can achieve mastery at some point, but we'll never know it all. And I think that's the beauty of cooking, just finding your niche and finding what excites you the most and really honing your craft and realizing that there's, if you ever get bored of that type of cooking, there's always something else to do. Thank you so much for sharing. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram along with a picture to be shared, a quote on why you love the industry, what you want to see change about the industry, a profile of yourself. Whatever you want shared, please just share it with me, and I'd love to share it on my Instagram. Thank you so much for those that shared, and we'll see you next week. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check out linecookthoughts.com for your official Line Cook Nation merch.